All right. Well, welcome. First episode of The Big Ticket Life in the new year, 2023. Welcome to the new year, everybody. Uh, if you're catching this show on audio, that might be about a week late. But if you caught it live, another great reason to watch this show live because we stream it live every Tuesday at noon. You're catching this on YouTube, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Ramona Shaw thought would be a great guest to have on because she's all about mindset and leadership and uh, how to properly manage uh, the people around you and the teams around you for success. How you think is how you lead. Ramona Shaw, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Great to be here um, early in 2023. Yeah, we're like technically, what is it? January 3rd. I was going to say November 3rd, but that yeah. would be, we would have time warped ahead in 2023. No, January 3rd, no time warp. Um, so uh, real quick, I figure let's start off with one thing we have in common right away and talk about why this is important to you. I often ask my guests um, where they give back, where they feel it's important to give back to others who might be less fortunate, what causes they're passionate about. And I noticed in your survey that you that my guests submit, you put down charity water and I'm a charity water donor too. So what is it about charity water that you like the most? Yeah, I think for me, it's while there are, you know, so many different causes that I wished I could support, um, when I really boils down to, I think is the things that I take for granted that are so not for, you know, that others cannot take for granted and I shouldn't be taking them for granted. And I think donating to something like charity water, it just reminds me of the privilege that I have and the responsibility that comes with that in, you know, just by, by sheer luck of having been born in, in a society where water has never been a source of, um, stress or disease, uh, illness right. and, 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 um, anxiety or uncertainty for me. And, uh, charity water does a great job sort of connecting the, the real story and the personal aspect and, um, you know, with the charitable cause and people who want to contribute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, what is uh, it for you since we have that in common? Curious. Yeah, I mean, for me, there, there's a lot of things um, that I do um, on a monthly basis uh, through this, like through my own personal business, through this show, and then through my, my one of my businesses, my retail business, will donate to local charities that come on our show through that podcast. We'll donate to them each week when they're on. So it's a myriad of things, homeless, food banks, um, uh, a lot of like community service organizations, those kinds of charities where like the dollars are real connected to the people locally. Uh, for me, for Charity Water, um, Brian Kurtz, who's a master direct response marketer, you know, span his career spans 30, 40 years in that industry. And I'm a direct response marketing geek, if you will. Um, so he offered up, I forget what book it was, but it was one of these hard to find books uh, in the direct response uh, teaching and, and, and world of things. And he said, if you get this book for me, um, I'll get it to you. And all you have to do is donate to Charity Water for a year, honor system. And I think that was like two or three years ago at this point. And it's one of those easy things. You just put your credit card in and you and you let it roll and you're doing good. And like you said, while you're connected to it, it's one of those things that you just don't think about here in the US or really in any, you know, modern society, civilized society, um, where you can flip a light switch on and you have power, you can turn water on and you can take a drink of water, have a shower, uh, do your laundry. You just like, we forget what those things, how valuable and important those things are. So it's really great that you're connected to charity water that way. I like that. Yeah. Um, just a little side note on that. I, I was listening to another podcast. Imagine that podcasters that listen to podcasts, right? Um, you know, I, I, I heard on another show, um, that I listened to that in the Congo, where almost all the cobalt comes from for electric cars, only like 9% of that country is electrified. And the areas in which the cobalt comes from, where electricity is, is like 0.3 or 0.4%, something like that. So when we think about the things we take for granted, it really can hit home at times. And it's really kind of interesting because these things in our hand, right, they are powered by all that stuff. And, and again, we take it for granted. And there's people, sometimes children, providing those items that make our life easy. And, you know, so I think it's important we take time to consider 
helping the world out. And Charity Water is one of those great ones. Yeah, exactly. And just like you said with this, I think the responsibility to give back. And what I find, you know, while we could all always be doing more, I think there's um, uh, from public figures, they've been sort of really appreciate the fact that a lot of this is coming to the forefront and how public figures are able to give back or willing to give back, um, see it as a responsibility to give back. And um, but it's not just on those who make uh, millions, it's I feel it's on everyone who makes um, a dollar to think about how much of that dollar should yeah. I as a responsibility. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a, you know, again, we don't, I don't, you know, we can talk about this as long as we want. Yeah. We'll get into, we'll get into really why we're together today. But listen, I, I think this is one of those things people can hear and hear often. And on my other show, my, my retail based, community based show, um, I say often to the, our listeners there, look, if, if dollars aren't in the budget, time is almost as important for a lot of these organizations. And that transcends just your local independent, like local hero community led organization, you know, meals on wheels, uh, your food bags, uh, your blood bags, clothing drives, all of these things need people to affect the mission. Uh, so time is, is really as important as the dollars. Um, because, you know, if, if a lot of charities put their nose to the grindstone, they're able to get dollars through grants and, you know, scholarships and, 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 you know, things, endowments from governments and things like that. But it, it's the time they, they, they need people to go out and affect the mission. So consider that if, if stretching that dollar is hard for you, uh, maybe stretch a little bit of your time. Yeah. And I think as it ties to leadership, I think this is part of the leadership aspect to, yeah. To look for impact, positive impact and positive change in, in any form. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that a hundred percent. So you wrote your new book. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, it's titled and geared towards, um, managers. And my show is kind of more focused on that business owner, entrepreneur. So I kind of want to mm-hmm. bundle and focus our conversation on those lessons that I, I think you tell me if you agree, apply to both. Oh, a hundred percent. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, a business owner, an entrepreneur, you're managing people. Just because yep. you're not downline in the chain of command doesn't really mean anything. I think actually, if you think you're above everyone in that chain of command, I think you're kind of set up for more struggle than you are reward. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's um, when we when even if you look at an entrepreneur who starts off with a great idea and it, and they're on their own. Um, they may have a friend or you know a co-founder, a first couple, maybe one or two employees, and uh, they try to grow that business. And at that point, they're still really entrenched, and they should be really entrenched. And it's a lot more about the strategy and the tactics that they choose and the decisions that they make that will create the leverage in the, in on this growth um, trajectory. But at some point, they, any founder or any entrepreneur will realize. Now I start a move away from, for example, being in the business of um, selling um, selling mattresses. So now I'm being in the business, me personally, in my role, the business of people. Because I realize I have to step away from the tactical thing we're doing to a degree, not a hundred percent, but a chunk of my responsibility is now focused on the people and to make mm-hmm. sure that they're set up, that I'm bringing in the right talent. And then when they're in, in on the team that I'm setting them up for success from the support they create results through relationships. And that journey, that transition, regardless of whether someone is in a corporate uh, role and has to start leading a team or someone is an entrepreneur and is building a team, it, it boils down to the very same um, strategies or and, and mindsets and, and approaches. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, and I thought, bringing you on the show now and the turn of the new year, turn of the calendar was important. I don't know about you, but I kind of, I kind of just roll year over year, right? I've got a vision of where I want to go. Mm-hmm. You know, December 31st to January 1 doesn't like, it doesn't explode my passion about any one thing. Mm-hmm. I just kind of have that consistent focus on growth and, and hitting those goals and, and really I've taken my mind to thinking more in projects as of late. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a handful of projects that I'm working on because that's what I find uh, gives me purpose and, and really gets kind of like a fire 
under my rear end, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, making money is great, but it just, that's not what gets me going. It's, it's completing the project. Um, yeah. So from your view, where do leaders fail in looking at their calendar, looking to manage people? Um, do you see people get caught up in end of year stuff, get caught up in new year stuff? and find struggle or is there ways to benefit from end of year, new year timelines or is it a little bit of both? Um, yeah, I actually think, so anytime from a, from just purely understanding how our brains work, any beginning, the beginning of the month, the beginning of a project, the beginning of the year, the beginning and the ends are, are just naturally open up the opportunity to um, to plan, to take a step back, to ground ourselves in the bigger vision, the bigger, um, you know, the, the mission we're on, the goals we're trying to pursue. And so I think it's the new year is an important time for any leader to, for them personally take a step back and think about their own development, their leadership, how they're showing up, what's working, what isn't working in a somewhat an honest way without being reactive to what's going on in the day to day. But I also think it's important from a business standpoint to have uh, that moment of grounding and reconnecting. And that is just a little bit more in our minds, um, usually for most people, a little bit more meaningful at the beginning and at the end of something than sort of halfway through without a specific reason for the point in time. Um, now, s- having said that, grounding or, or reconnecting to the vision is something we should never you know, never depart from. We should always keep doing that and repeating it and c- communicating over and over. And I think it's a big part of leadership. Uh, but I do think this is a very unique opportunity to reflect, uh, strategize, and then communicate. And then you brought up the thing about timeline um, and and time allocation. I do think this is also a moment to think and step back in terms of, are we being reactive or am I being reactive as a leader? And how can I turn from this reactive leader in more of a proactive, intentional leader? And there is a lot of power that comes from it, but it feels really uncomfortable to let go of control sometimes, to let go of um, the quick reactions, to feel really useful in the moment because we're problem solving. And most entrepreneurs uh, love problem solving and feeling like they get stuff done and are feeling are being productive during the day. And so when we're, um, as we're assessing, how do we spend our time and what should we focus on? This, I would encourage and invite everyone listening to look at in which moments am I reacting and where am I not being proactive at all, right? Where and where should I be more proactive? Be this in terms of uh, the people on my team and how I train and develop them, my own um, leadership growth and development. This could also be, how we're handling uh, issues and problems, uh, economically speaking, um, financially speaking, from resources um, over overall. How do I take a step back and think through these problems ahead of time, more so than reacting to it in the moment? Yeah, yeah. No, I I love that. We're going to expand on that a little bit. By the way, a longtime friend of mine, Kimberly Messick, Mm-hmm. Who is the furniture queen, Ramona? Although I think we've we kind of lost contact, but we're Facebook friends. So uh-huh. we kind of, you know, it's weird. We're we're in a weird society. We're like Kimberly and I. We she used to be a customer of mine. So I hope you're still listening, Kimberly. Give me a give us a, like, a comment if you are or not, or maybe you tuned in and you're out. That's the way things work. But uh, so Kimberly was a customer of mine back in my uh, furniture road rep days, and and. She ran fantastic businesses on the Eastern shore of Maryland and Delaware. And like, really, uh, there she is. She's still here. Just had like, she had the game going on. She had it all. And, um, so she's tuned in and, um, here's somebody that assembled great teams across multiple different platforms, um, of selling furniture, whether that was hospitality, contract, uh, residential, rental, um, you know, she ended up buying like all her competition and it was because I, you know, she was a fantastic leader and is a fantastic leader. Today, uh, I see her doing a lot of give back in the community, sitting on a couple different boards. Um, you know, so she's just 
she's had it going on. She's got it going on. Kimberly, it's great to see you tune into the show. Um, you know, there's a business I've got my eye on to buy. And um, you talk about a reactive leader versus a proactive leader. I've, I've been able to observe because I'm a customer. So I've mm-hmm. been kind of doing some recon here the last month or so. I consistently see management react. They're so reactive. It's kind of like, um, you know, giving a, a pack of dogs, uh, like just throwing out milk bones on the floor. <laughs> and it's just, it's chaos, right? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's it, and I, I use that analogy because here this manager comes in and just creates chaos with all the frontline people. And they know they're going to get ripped on for something, even though they're doing a fairly good job to great job. It's, yeah. it's just never, it seems like it's just never good enough. And I've had opportunity to work with some of these people on a more intimate strategy or more intimate uh, customer frontline uh, associate role, I'll say. And uh, I would give them very good grades. You know, there's always room for improvement. That goes for myself. I think that could go for yourself. Um, but uh, boy, I give them good grades. But man, that management team and ownership team over their heads is really, really reactive. And, and just, you feel it. They come in, and as soon as there's a handful of people lined up at the counter, they just come in and it's like, What's going on? Is everybody okay? Is everything all right? What's happening with this person? What's happening with that person? Meanwhile, everybody's under control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, expand on that example a little bit. What do you see? What do you see as a fault there? And and what what would you give somebody to work on if if maybe they kind of conduct themselves in that same fashion? Yeah. And I think it's, you know, the people who do this, they mean really well and they often um feel like they're actually supporting the system um, or, or the people around them because they're trying to help. It comes from the best intentions of wanting to do a good job, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't care or they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't dive in and tr- try to problem solve. We also call this, they're being the superhero. They're superheroing a situation, mm. trying to rescue. But in the, uh, in, in the process of being the superhero, there's always a victim who's on, on that, you know, in that plot as well. Someone who feels like, oh, I, I wasn't trusted that I could figure this out on my own. Someone else didn't have the confidence that I could uh, navigate the problem or the challenge. So they decided to step in and solve it. And sometimes it's absolutely needed, but oftentimes we're doing this in a very reactive manner because we want to help and we want to do good without ever taking that step back and saying like, okay, this is the pattern that I have. And it kind of feels, you know, rewarding in a way internally and um, so I'm honest to fix a problem, even if it wasn't mine. Uh, but what is the way to empower and to um, delegate ownership in the organization and have a team where everyone feels fully invested? If that's the result that I want, then what do I need to do? How do I need to show up? What do I, what principles do I need to live by in order to get that result? And I think that connection we often don't make. Uh, in terms of what's the result we want and then backtracking, what does that mean in terms of the actual day-to-day behaviors? Instead, we, we behave in a way that feels good in the moment and feels like a useful behavior without really taking mm-hmm. into account what's the longer term, uh, result of that. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, so you've been given a lot of great insights so far. I'm sure we'll have more, but you've got a great book, uh, and you can get that book, RamonaShaw.com slash book. This is one of these things that I have thought about in the new year is whenever my guests have something really great to offer listeners, I've I've done a disservice to my guests by mentioning it at the end. Because just in case you can't listen all the way through in one shot, I want you to know Ramona's got a great book, The Confident and Competent New Manager. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, but it looks like when you go to your website, RamonaShaw.com slash book, you got some bonuses there. One of which I want to talk about because admittedly, <laughs> Uh, I kind of looked sideways at, at the disc assessments of the world and the personality tests of the world for a long time. Yeah. Um, can I share a little story about what I thought of those from way back? Oh, I'd love to. And I'm sure that a lot of people will, will be able to relate. <laughs> so, so yeah, this actually is in the, is, is back in my road days as a, so I, on the road, I was a manufacturer's rep representing a number of factories selling to other furniture retail, uh, furniture retailers and, and other companies. I was kind of the middleman. Uh, I, I said to my customers often, look, my job is to keep this two-way street flowing, functional, 
enjoyable to drive, profitable for both parties. That's my job. And I was very clear with my customers that it's, it's the factory's furniture, it's your money, and I'm here to help make that exchange, make that exchange profitable, functional, and rewarding, and make everybody really happy and make everybody a lot of money because that's what we're here to do, right? And uh, so I was recommended by about nine or 10 of my retailers for a line that had opened up. They were unhappy with their current representation. And the manager uh, put me through the paces, one of which was a disc test. And I'm like, disc test? What the heck? I had never heard of it. This goes back a long time. This is maybe 2006 or seven. This is a, a, quite a while ago. And um, I never heard of it. Really didn't understand it. So, you know, the younger Jeff kind of just looked at it sideways. Like, I don't need this. I was recommended by nine or 10 people. What do you want? I got a, 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 a big bag. I got a big Rolodex of retailers. If you want your stuff sold, I'm your guy. Talk to the nine or 10 people that recommended me. And, uh, you know, so I went through and, and my personality, as you could imagine, didn't naturally mesh with the company and I didn't get the job. Um, but mm-hmm. I think, th- I think there was some more going on behind the scenes at that time, but I really kind of looked, that was my first interaction. And, and because it wasn't explained to me why it was important, mm-hmm. I really looked sideways at that stuff for a little while. Uh, it mm-hmm. was really only until early teens here, 2012-ish that I kind of got behind the value of an understanding that when you assemble a team, you need to have complementing players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I have that in my business partnership in the retail business. Um, so yeah, that's my story. My first interaction with a disc test. And, um, it's probably not, it's probably not unlike things you've heard before. Um, is that shocking to you? Yeah, no, it's, um, it's like, ah, darn, such a miss, such a missed opportunity, right? Because I do think it gets misunderstood and people who look at it sideways have had bad experiences where some kind of assessment they took felt like they were, you know, labeled and sometimes even inaccurately labeled and felt they didn't really have a chance to, you know, to add that context, uh, which mm-hmm. is just such a missed opportunity. Yeah. 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 I, I've seen it. Um, you know, in the context of leadership, I've seen it lately. My oldest son uh, has graduated high school last June. Uh, he has chosen mm-hmm. to enter the workforce. Um, and, uh, you know, he's kind of using this year to kind of discover what he likes, what invigorates him. Um, so he's actually on a management path uh, with Chick-fil-A. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're a great organization. For those yeah. that don't know, like mm-hmm. Texas Roadhouse has Chick-fil-A train their people. Yeah, um, they're you know, famous for their development programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you would know that better than I. Um, so he's on that path, and uh, but he, you know, he wasn't sure he wanted to go back there. He he'd worked construction right out of high school because that was what he did for a career setter and skills to learn. Um, I don't know that he got matched up with a great company there, so he's kind of taking a break from that. And we always talked about having Chick Fil A management experience on his resume as he expands his career because it'd be valuable. Mm-hmm. Well, in this interim, he was having a whole bunch of these companies which are on that same labor scale of Chick-fil-A. I'll just mm-hmm. put it that way. Throw out a lot of testing, a lot of personality matching. And here's here's a self-starting kid that is willing to do the work, willing to work the hours no one else wants to because he's kind of a night owl. And... um Is there a time where managers can rely too heavily on these tools to where it it precludes people? Even the word relying um, doesn't sit well with me because you you cannot, there's never ever a tool, there's not a single assessment that will be able to describe and and accurately assess or describe a a person and a personality and their ethics and their... um, their values and principles or their skill or uh, skill level that does not exist. And I think the real beauty and how a disc assessment or any assessment for the, for that matter should be used is as a conversation starter. So when mm-hmm. you get your disc assessment back or if your son takes an assessment, the question should be, this is what the assessment highlighted. How do you see yourself in this? And where is it true? And where do you think it's not true and why? Um, how do you, based on this information, how accurate you think this is, 
how do you typically engage with someone who's on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? So these are all questions that you could pose based on an assessment. But the true value of assessments, in my opinion, and how I use them with teams and organizations or individuals, it's the assessment is 20% of the value. 80% of what you get of doing an assessment is the conversation that will follow in a one between manager and employee or in a hiring process or in a team building exercise. It's, it's that trying to develop mutual um, understanding and appreciation of differences as a result of that through the dialogue, not the assessment. So this yeah. is where I think the opportunity is lost and what, you know, then creates these negative experiences with personality type assessments because people feel like they're getting labeled and don't, don't actually gain any value from that. I love it. And if you see me making notes here, I'm not uh, multitasking. I like to do efficient work. So yep. I take out little moments from our time together. And this is, again, why it pays to watch the show and not just take it in on audio. Because if you get connected with Ramona on social media and all her channels are in the show notes, either live in this episode or on the podcast uh, page. Mm -hmm. But uh, later down the road, you'll see some reels come out of our moments together. Because let's face it, I'm like everybody else. I don't necessarily sit down for an hour at a time and catch a whole show. I mean, our devices now give us that benefit. I listen to a podcast in my truck. I unplug. I plug back in when I'm back yeah. in. It's, it, it pauses it for me and it's right there. Like yeah. life has been made easy for me. So, you know, I, but maybe I don't plug back into that episode. So we want to give you a great moment. So that's what I do. And I forgot to mention that in the pre-show, Ramona. Uh, you're speaking my language. I love when people get down on the 80-20 rule. And you kind of touched on it where you said assessments are 20% of the opportunity. And that's, you have an opportunity then with the rest of the conversation being the 80% of the decision. I think if I heard that right, is that a fair Correct. summation? Well, yeah, the conversation, the dialogue after the fact. And I think yeah. you know, people who get the book, they get a free disc assessment um, as a bonus. And when they take the assessment, now we're not engaged in a, you know, they're not directly working with me. So I can't offer a debrief and that dialogue between them and me. But what I do recommend to them um, as a result of taking the, or after they take the assessment is to, to bring that to the people that know them. There could be coworkers, a manager, a teammate. It could be um, a spouse, a friend. Uh, who knows them somewhat intimately and then say like, hey, this is a disc assessment. How do you see myself? Or to start to think about, okay, if I'm on the disc, there's the D, the I, the S, or the C. If I'm the D, the dominant, um, the, the dominant in that dominant sector, then who do I work with who may actually, if I had to make a guess, would probably fall into one of the other four or the other three quadrants on that, uh, on that circle. And, and how do I, as a result of that, what's potential, the potential conflict tension that we have? Very common is the driver, right? Uh, the dominant would want to get things done fast, have big mm -hmm. goals and just run with it, right? Go for it. And then someone who is more on the conscientious, yeah, I'm picking that. <laughs> I'm picking that, I mean, not by coincidence. Yeah, right. Yeah, just feels like there might as well be this big D with a little I right here on the screen right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. So they're, they have, the, they want to pursue that big ticket life and they're all in and going for it. Now, someone else may say, well, wait a second, chef. Um, you haven't really thought through these different steps. And if you want to buy that company, then like, whoa, 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 that makes me nervous because have you thought through like the legal aspect? Have you thought about what that does to our existing clients? And they have a different pricing module. And how would you navigate that? And, the D might be like, oh my gosh, you're such a downer. Why? Just let right. me run. This is draining my energy. Just get on with it. Like, let's do this. It's exciting. But someone in that conscientious um, part of the, the C on the disc circle may naturally just come up with the, the, the things that they see as obstacles and that there needs to be a, a understanding that we're looking at something from different perspectives. You have different needs. And when we see ourselves in these dynamics, we pick it up so quickly. We all of a sudden realize like, oh, this is one of those moments when I'm, you know, the dominant force here. I want to go fast and big and I have to get other people on board and not by doubling down on the way I do things, but by trying to figure out how do they do things. 
right? So it's not yeah. me me trying to do me stronger. It's trying to pause and look at the other person, think, how do I meet them where they're at? And so yeah. these the kind of language from a disc assessment just really helps with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I am the. No, we're going to the high dive. We're doing a full uh, like three sixty somersault, <laughs> and we'll fill the we'll fill the pool on the way down if we have to. Let's yeah. go. Right. Yeah. So I need those. I need those S and C people around me to say, "Well, there's the faucet, and I've got the hose. Let's make sure we got a lot of water pressure and a big old hose to fill that thing up, because yeah. Jeff and gravity don't mix, and he's coming down fast." Like that's just how it works. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, but I've, you know, I've learned over time, and and I want you to speak on this next. Like I've learned over time having a team of people around me, whether that's partners or that's people I bring in, uh, service providers, uh, having like that core cast of characters, so to say, you know, uh, not to not to minimize them as you know a cast of characters, but just like I got my team, I got my people. Um, and when I bring a new project to them and I can tell if we're going to hit a home run or if it's not going to be great or if it's something I should pass based on how they, how I can tell the story to them and how they can relay back what they see as success. I used mm-hmm. to take what they relayed back, that conscientious person, and you said it, well, they would say, well, here's a hurdle or here's something that I see and I would be offended. I'd be yeah. upset. Like you're yeah. just stepping on my dream. You're taking my yeah. high dive away. Right. Now I've learned, no, you need those people around you. You need that team because you go a lot farther. Mm-hmm. What do you, what, what say you? A hundred percent. But when, with that recognition comes also the, the requirement to develop the skill to adapt your communication style. And like I said earlier, to where they're at, because you recognizing I need those people around me may still not allow for a effective communication between the two of you. And someone with from a different with a different angle, uh, and this is where leadership development really comes into play to recognize through conversations and through application, hey, where and and also going back to the idea of being proactive, uh, do a team analysis. And every client that I work with, when there is when we're looking at team development, uh, we're doing an analysis of who do you have on the team and. How do they like listen to them in your next one-on-one com- uh, meeting? Listen to them carefully in terms of the opportunities they, they present, the problems they um, bring up, the values that come through in the conversations, what energizes them. Pay attention and take note. So this is being proactive so that you have an understanding of when I communicate, I want to, to get them on board with my idea. How do I do that? Not just trying to figure it out in the conversation based on the, you know, the, the stuff that they throw back at me and then I respond right. to that, but by right. actively thinking about the angle I'm going to take to get them on board and motivate them. Yeah. So is it, is it about, is it, is it good to think about it that way? What's the, what's the angle to present mm-hmm. this to get everybody on board? Or is it best to go to your team in a manner in which you're going to hear honest feedback from the people you trust so that you either hit a home run or you say, you know what? I thought this was an opportunity, but you mm-hmm. they're right. This is going to be terrible. Yeah. Because isn't there a dynamic where those around the leader have like a, a perseverance mindset of, well, I don't want to upset the apple cart. I don't want to be thrown off this team. I don't want to be fired. So I have to, I kind of have to say what I think they want to hear. Yeah. How do you manage that dynamic? I, well, it, this is like, this is a moment, uh, I think this is situational because there are going to be moments when you need to influence and get someone on board because you're very clear, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going. Um, and then there are other moments, like you said, with the decision where this is about uh, making a high quality decision and leveraging the, 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 the team's collective strength in order to get to that. And that's, that's just a different situation and understanding like, what am I trying to do? And so therefore, how am I going to approach it? If you have a, if you find yourself in a situation where you are trying to hear from the rest of the team what they think and you, um, prepare yourself to be, you know, vulnerable in the moment, be wrong potentially to expose yourself to, to those uh, conversations, then there are two tips. One is state your opinion last. 
which is a leadership mm. principle to consider. That means anytime you're in a room and that you know, regardless of how much you have a flat hierarchy and you see yourself as all, you know, everyone is equal, you as the leader or the CEO or the founder will always have a different level um, or a different sort of authority assigned to that title. And you speaking out loud something will naturally influence the perception of other people. So sp- stating your opinion last just means going in and like, here are very factual. Here's what we're dealing with. I'd like to hear from you what, you know, what your opinion is or what your instant reaction is or think about this. We'll talk about it next week. Don't state any subjective uh, opinion um, first that will, will influence their thinking. And then the second one is to actually highlight and, and call out for people to play the devil's advocate. So if I know I have someone who's very risk conscious on my team, and they'll always be the ones who will point out all the things that could go wrong. I want to leverage that and say like, hey, you're really good at recognizing potential risks or, op- or obstacles in the future. Um, when you look at this business plan or when you look at this project, what are the things that stand out to you as risks that we should consider ahead of time? Someone else may be really good with recognizing social dynamics and has a, bra- a broad network of relationships. We may look to that person and say, you know, with this in mind, who do you think needs to be involved? Um, who should we consult first? What else do we need to consider in terms of that relationship aspect? Because I know this is a strong suit of yours. So we directly point out, hey, you're really good at this. I want it. I want you to bring it in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's very, very smart. And right there, I mean, if, if, if you thought this was just about middle management and how middle management does better, you just got a little dose of masterclass in leadership for anybody, whether that's uh, your dynamic of relationship at home, yeah. a couple of employees you have in your small business, the 50 employees you have in your larger business, or you're managing a team of a thousand. And I, that was very, very, very smart right there. Um, love all of that about bringing people in and and kind of playing to where you know they're going to go. And yeah, use that skill. Mm-hmm. You know, magnify it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and exactly. Let, let, them, let them keep honing in on it. And they might, even, they might even get to a problem that neither you nor them saw that would happen. Yeah, exactly. Or could happen. Yeah, I really, really love that a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, so getting the book, um, is how many pages is the book? Easy read, long read? Is Super this, easy uh, read. Okay. I really wanted to write a book that's, um, you know, everyone that I work with is super busy. And like the last thing they want to do is read this this big chunk, um, this big chunk of the book. Uh, I also consciously created a book that has examples and, you know, shows you, you know, tells a bit of a story, but isn't full of long wine case studies, but really highlights what I call the, um, there are two main components. One is those critical mindset shifts to transition from being an individual contributor or in a business setting, being someone who drives the business to then becoming a leader in the organization and taking that different perspective and really uh, owning the leadership role. So what are the shifts that people need to make? And these are internal shifts and how we see ourselves and our, our role. Um, and then what are the specific behaviors that go along with those? as well as what I call the APS method. And this is sort of my approach to leadership development that encompasses awareness. This fits into with the, the idea of what we've just talked about with taking an assessment or understanding your, your strength and how to leverage other people's strengths. A team analysis, all that goes into awareness. This is the A. The P stands for principles. So I just stated a principle earlier with state your opinion last. And every uh, successful, prominent leader has, whether this is published and available online or they have it for themselves, they have their set of leadership principles. And these are the things that they do on a regular basis or how they conduct themselves and the guidelines upon which they make decisions. And um, so as a leader, develop those principles is the second. And then the last one will be the system. So really looking at the routines and the tactical behaviors to develop a leadership system that allows you to create the results that you want. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. The APS method. Very smart from a marketing strategy. Very smart that you have a book as well. Um, 
trying to just trying to shout this from the rooftops. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, just as a kind of a left turn in the conversation as we look to wrap up, um, I'm a big believer in in books for your business and marketing your services, marketing you the business. I mean, I have for other presentations I've done. I mean, right here is a whole stack of books that I've that have authored in some f- form or fashion or another. Uh, print, both printed, digital, you know, you name it. Uh, what has what has your book done for you? How, well, I should ask first. How long have you had it out? Uh, about a not a year yet, maybe nine months. Um, okay. May, yeah. Eight, yeah. Eight, and any marketing wins directly correlated to you know because your your market you serve is obviously a crowded marketplace, just like any marketplace is, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple smart strategies that you have. Your book one. Two, you have a methodology, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's smartness in that and there's marketing power in having your own APS methodology. But have you seen any big wins as a direct result from having your own book? There isn't like a, it wasn't, and I think this is interesting, right? When you look at marketing strategies, generally speaking, I think one of the lessons, and I love marketing um, and business, business in addition to uh, really loving the work that I do as a leadership um, coach and trainer. The, the, I used to have like in my immature, um, state of a business owner, I always thought there's going to be like this one thing that will make, that will change Mm. everything. Right. And I came to realize like there isn't one thing and it's probably a good thing that there isn't one thing, but it is to have to build the platforms to be consistent in developing your methodology and your, your messaging, um, and the book was one of those pieces where it felt really good to uh, wrap it up in a concise way to demonstrate it, it, anyone could read the book, but they don't need to work with me to understand what it takes to become a good leader and what are the skills that they need to develop and pay attention to in order to be effective as a leader. Uh, and then as a result of the book launch, I was able to reach more people um, through yeah. that, some of which became clients and some of which who just report back and say this book was um, made it made a huge uh, impact in how they lead. And um, to me, those little moments, it's the personal, you know, that when we talked to Charity Water about, it's like knowing right. there is another human on the other end of this uh, communication uh, format that will, that, that feels like it feels better off um, after right. reading something or seeing something I put out there. Yeah, yeah. No, very smart. I mean, you touched on it. Uh, consistency. There isn't that one thing. If there is one thing, it is consistency. Yes. You know, I noticed in, in uh, some of the details you sent to us as we got the show produced, um, you're proud of the fact that you've done a, a podcast episode on your schedule coming up on uh, three years, I guess it is. It was April of 2020 when yes. you started. Yes. Uh, that's yep. big. I mean, yep. there's that's real big. Our producer, Chris, uh, from Cast Ahead, which by the way, I'd be remiss. You're seeing a lot of great stuff here on the video. We make the show look great. Why we yep. kind of bug our guests for that survey submission. Um, I mean, he could he could back this up about I think uh most podcasts never get past seven episodes. So mm-hmm. to do it consistently, your weekly, is that what I read? Is that correct? Yep. Every Tuesday any episode yeah. comes out. So yeah, yep. that's great. Yep. So weekly um, for nearly three years is is great. I'm now in year two weekly. Um, uh, this is episode 54. Um, you know, and committing to that live stream that we do here is that's a that's a different wrinkle because it, it really makes you manage your schedule um, <laughs> because you have to be somewhere where you have good internet. You can't just like be somewhere where your cell phone reception is good and like put a little piece of foam up in your car and, and get good audio that way. It doesn't work that way. Not with this show. So mm-hmm. kudos to you on that consistency. I would be the thing I think we wrap up our time together on is that consistency of action. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't just read the book and like take your favorite chapter and go hammer your team with it for one Monday morning meeting Yeah, and then never back it up, right? It totally. And I think that's um, just to wrap this up he, or, or to emphasize this point. This is why the the S in the APS method stands for system because the system is systematic and consistent. Um, it evolves, but it's not like an on an ad hoc basis. And I think yep. it's down to the little things. Like last week, um, a client of mine shared a, a role model um, 
that he has sent out these weekly shout outs uh, or emails with shout outs to specific members of the organization if they did or when they did great work. And it's the weekly email that made this leader be the one who is known to recognize great work in the organization. It's not that this person sort of one-off saw something come across his desk and then thought, oh, this is great. Maybe I should mention that. No, he had a process in place to collect these uh, data points and take notes on them throughout the week for then for him to then write the weekly email on Friday and send yeah. it out. And it's the systematic approach of thinking through praise, feedback, coaching conversations, career development, the hiring process, that all these things that will um, take a leader from being good to being great. Yeah. Yeah, very smart. Uh very smart approach. I like that. Calling out the greatness of the team and committing to it weekly. I bet you at times that person might feel like, you know, I don't get a lot of feedback on this mm-hmm. or maybe not as much feedback as I feel I should. Mm-hmm. But rest assured, they're watching. They're reading that. Yeah. There's no doubt. Totally. And then 10 years later, one of the employees, you know, mentions this to their to their leadership coach. Right? Mm-hmm. This is... This is the impact those things have and how people, you know, then recognize the, um, you know, the, the real intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did that for a brief time, uh, with our team in the retail business and I was frustrated. And then I just asked the team, I said, Hey, are you, are you guys reading this? Are you getting anything from this? And the feedback was we are, but we can't have a conversation on email. Mm-hmm. Could we? Could we do this in a quick weekly wrap-up or a quick weekly meeting? And so that weekly email communication became just a weekly half-hour dialogue of feedback, praise, and we set the week ahead. And I got to tell you, it's so darn powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. We're all on the same page. Yeah. You know? And um, it really works well. And actually, it doesn't take a lot. It was you figuring out, and this is why, you know, a system evolves. You do something, mm-hmm. you wonder, you ask for feedback, you iterate on it. And now it's this one thing, right? That makes a big, it sounds like it makes a big difference in, yep. in sort of the, the, the team dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we removed a ton of conversation. What? Not, not a ton of conversation. We just removed a ton of back and forth emails that were just wasting time. Mm-hmm. Now we know what everybody's doing throughout the week from the delivery crew to the operations crew to the sales crew. and it's really great. So yeah, that system existed. It was that tweak. And as a leader, you know, email is super easy for me. My time is very finite in that business each week. I'm there two days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so many hours on a Monday, so many hours on a Thursday. And uh, for me, it was just, I had to accept, okay, I got I to gotta devote this half hour here, but that half hour there is going to be actually pay me back because they're going to be more productive and we won't be having these time-wasting email conversations, which just aren't great. I think everybody yeah. can agree on that. So, yeah. Ramona, this has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. I heard, now, I'd be remiss. I heard a dog barking in the background. As somebody that loves dogs, we have two. Any given time, we might have three. Uh, if it's a rescue dog, what kind of dog do you have? Um, I I don't have a rescue dog. I have a, um, a Cavapoo. They're a mix between King Charles Cavalier okay. and Poodle. Yep. Um, for spe- very specific like reasons and why we needed that kind of dog in the family. But um, yeah, she doesn't really uh, listen to my podcast schedule, barks <laughs> at squirrel or the wind or whatever. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, ours learned early on that when I have headphones on, now that I, my podcast office is upstairs, but when I'm downstairs and I put the headphones on, they, they have learned to be quiet. It's pretty remarkable. That is amazing. Um, I, but I don't trust it, right? <laughs> So yeah. I come I come into the podcast office to do these because I value what our guests hear and and uh, you know I want to make sure everybody enjoys the experience because uh, our dogs are big and they would be very very disruptive. So anyway, yeah. well enjoy that Cavapoo and look thanks for all the great work you're doing to help others lead and lead better and more intentionally. Uh, you can get Ramona's really uh, great book at RamonaShaw.com slash book that'll take it right there. There's some great bonuses there. Um, you can also get it on Amazon, but I'm guessing you get some of those really great bonuses buying it direct. Is that right? Or is it the same? Uh, you get, you get them on Amazon too. 
So there you'll you get the, your, the link is in the book. So you'll, uh, when you read the book, you can go um, to the URL provided and download all the, the different tools, including the, the disk assessment. Yeah. That's a very smart strategy. A lot of people that make books miss out on. Yeah, right. Amazon's easy, but they punish their purchasers because they don't <laughs> get the great bonuses. So really smart. Exactly. Yeah. They're really smart. So Ramona, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Really thank you, Jeff. time. Yes, yeah, th- you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. And uh, that's the show. We'll see you next week. Happy New Year. 2023 is here. Let's go all go out there and uh, do life and business on our terms. And we'll see you next week on The Big Ticket Life. Take care. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life. And now it's time to live yours. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See, all your life you've been told what is and what isn't possible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.